Chef Boyardee is Poe's mentor. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, it was always going to be Leia. Could have been Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow, what a huge oversight. There's just a hole in the Death Star. Like, what the heck? You know, just like board that up or something, you know? Then jumped onto Wikipedia and was like, oh, there it is. I refused to get on the Wook, um, as, as Jared lovingly refers to it. You're listening to the Star Wars Archives, a Utini.com Patreon-exclusive podcast. Your regular deep dive down the rabbit hole of the Star Wars universe. Discussion, analysis, Easter eggs, and obscure books you've never heard of. And now, here are your hosts, Jose and Trevor. Hello there, you have tuned into episode 32 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living band that put it out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse. And- Hello there, you have tuned into episode 32 of the Star Wars Archives, the Utini Network podcast where we take a random Star Wars topic and explain the living band that put it out of it. I am Jose, aka Joxie in the Utiniverse, and I am almost done with uh, reading Heir to the Empire, Trev. Oh really? How are you finding it? It's uh, I like it. It's I mean it's uh it's a different throne than what I'm used to, uh, and obviously it's it's strange reading this after seeing the sequel trilogy. So there, you know there's some like parsing of like what actually happened and not happened <laughs> that I've had to. So I mean you've read all the like the canon throne though, haven't you? Yes, yes. I think one of the things that stand back stands out to me whenever I revisit that original Thrawn trilogy is that it is a much, it's a much simpler read. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not so much for plots. Cause that can still be a bit convoluted like Zahn likes to do, Yeah, but the writing itself, it's, it's almost dumbed down. I know it's not, but um, Star Wars storytelling has progressed so much in the, you know, 30 odd years since that was written. Yeah. That it, it's just of a higher caliber now of writing. Yeah, no, I definitely, I can definitely see that. I mean, it's there's, uh, it's still a really intriguing story. I like the the Islamari concept a yep. lot because uh, that's has that made it into canon. I mean, I know we're completely digressing from what today's topic is, but it's just one I'm of the sure things that I'm finding been kind of interesting somewhere. Okay, but yeah, he did introduce so many things that have you know stood the test of time and become core elements of star wars storytelling yeah well why don't you introduce yourself now <laughs> oh yeah i should do that yeah um so <laughs> who are I'm you trev, ke- i'm trev keeper of a timeline page over at utini.com uh, i've spent my entire life consuming star wars media and i've read over 1000 star wars books and comics so for anyone joining us for the first time this is a largely unscripted show where once we've decided on each episode's topic jose will do whatever research he needs I will do as little research as possible. Um, we could talk about anything Star Wars. Legends, canon, books, comics, TV, video games, even miscellaneous newspaper clippings, and hopefully keep you both entertained and informed over the next hour or so. That's right. Thank you for clarifying that for anyone who is tuning in for yes. the first time I, today. I'm, I'm Trev. Yes. <laughs> um, and today we're not talking about Thrawn, although we should probably do a proper sort of, I mean, at least... Even if it's just you and me, we should do a proper conversation about my thoughts on the book once I finish it. 
Um, yeah, absolutely. We should do a roundtable on a 30-year-old book. Yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's or typically... Maybe the... the trilogy, once you've finished it. Yeah, yeah, we could do that. But today is what's well, my birthday episode again. So just like last year where I was, I, I picked uh, Kylo Ren as a topic and Trev doesn't get to veto whatever thing I think of. Uh, this year, of course, then I'm going to go with Ray. Um, I mean, at least these are not very controversial topics in, in terms of to, to talk about. They're not as weird as no, saying and sand. I don't remember getting a birthday episode last year, just saying. <laughs> so let's um, do it this year. <laughs> but But also, I remember I came out of that kylo conversation with a much better appreciation for the character than i had going in oh good um was that was that before rise of skywalker came out no it can't have been can it was it? after it was yeah i think all of ours are after mm-hmm. thinking about it um but yeah we we really sort of analyzed the the character himself and yeah that was a really really interesting one i enjoyed that a lot yeah so so yeah so today we'll we'll talk about Ray and before we get into it um, I do want to get on this soapbox that I have over here and, uh, and address one of the criticisms at large with the character of Ray and you know one of our goals at Utini is to create a positive and inclusive Star Wars fandom community right and in our episode today we do not want to dwell on any of the negativity that exists online about this character or the sequel trilogy in general. Having said that, here are my two cents on the Mary Sue of it all, because I just very much disagree with this as a term in general, and I feel that people are just too quick to apply it without giving it much thought. So, yeah, because it, there was definitely a lot of that, even from The Force Awakens. Right. There, there was a lot of that being bandied around. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it's uh, the conversation on Twitter and even just some uh, some filmmakers and comic book writers just started criticizing it right away. So um, now I, I remember when we discussed this episode, um, and there was I want you to uh, tell the story of what inspired you to, <laughs> to, to tackle this. Sure, you're talking about yeah. Well, um, I was uh, I found out that um, two of my cousins are they're a little younger than me, but so we I don't I've only seen them actually a handful of times over the last couple of years. Um, but uh, yeah, I found out that they actually are. St- big Star Wars fans and they I also read Star Wars novels and I was like super excited and then, which is always nice yeah it's like oh hey I have other family members that are as nerdy about this as I am <laughs> <laughs> and um and then I, I forget exactly if I brought up something about the sequel trilogy or Force Awakens or something and then they bring up oh Ray is just a Mary Sue and Ooh. and I'm like nope <laughs> like I, and i yeah. you know and then they're like well tell me exactly how she's not and i'm like well i don't want to s- spend my you know this whole conversation through yeah, text messaging <laughs> explain this so instead of doing that i decided okay well instead of just telling you for five minutes why why like what the answer to that question is i'm going to spend a whole hour with my good <laughs> friend trev here explaining <laughs> why ray is a great character and uh, and just put the whole conversation to rest. Like we're gonna we're gonna so, solve so we're this problem gonna today. We're basically gonna mic drop your cousins then. Yeah, I might actually drop the <laughs> mic that I have here to record this at the end of the episode. Just, um, but anyway, so yeah, that is the genesis or of this uh, of this story. A, a worthy motive. Yes. So, anyways, um, for those who don't know, listening to us, uh, you know, the term Mary Sue. And what that is. So 
It actually originated in a parody fanfic Star Trek story by Paula Smith in 1973. Um, wow. So, you know, we're talking Star Wars, and actually this comes from Star Trek. So for anyone who, you know, has the whole, for whatever reason, still, you know, battle between the two of them, there you go, this is a Star, Star Trek term. Um, the protagonist of this story was uh, actually was a teenage girl named Mary Sue, and it satirized the idealized female characters that were widespread in Star Trek fan fiction at the time, which would be a, an attractive and exceptionally gifted character that would just come in and save the day. Like, that's all that it was. You know, it was a satire of that idea. And, you know, sticking with the whole Star Trek idea, one could even argue that Will Wheaton's character in uh, Next Generation, um, Wesley Crusher, he is a Mary Sue or Marty Stew, which is how the term is used for men. Okay, hold, hold, hold on mm-hmm. one second. So this is all new information to me now. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, Mary Sue isn't exclusive to Star Trek or Star Wars. It gets thrown at all manner of different franchises in, like I said, in you know a negative way. But mm-hmm. nothing what you said there is a negative. No, exactly. Like, what's wrong with being attractive and gifted <laughs> and saving the day no nothing the, it's just that um the probably a thing for the negative fandom to co-opt that character and give it negative connotations right so weird it really is the fandom in at large that has over the years coined this term as a negative thing um especially to dismiss and and criticize female characters in stories and I mean, most the, the origin of that phrase is enough to be the argument against that phrase <laughs> exactly yeah it's like i mean it's like exactly. if you use it and then you're told where it comes from you mm-hmm. should stop using it <laughs> yeah yeah simple so so yeah but you know like going back to ray the you know and and i found these two articles um that I'm, i will quickly sort of summarize just because i feel like they do a really good job and a much better job than i can in sort of like explaining um like their thoughts on on how this applies to to ray in star wars so in an article on vox uh, writer caroline framke or framke sorry if i <laughs> mispronounce that uh she contrasts race skills and journey with similar aspects of the character of uh luke skywalker and she concludes that ray's realization of her abilities is not necessarily any more impressive than luke's um she's she argues that fans um, instinctive criticism of the characters like Rey just reflect a double standard in that seemingly perfect male heroes are rarely so criticized which I think you know you could I think that's a fair statement Um, and then there's another writer Tasha Robinson of The Verge and she says we wouldn't be worrying about Rey's excessive coolness if she were Rey spelled R-A-Y like a guy named Rey um, the standard issue white male hero. While Robinson states that Ray is kind of a Mary Sue character, she suggests enjoying the character's flawlessness rather than seeing it as a problem. So Okay. So I have thoughts here. So on that yeah. first statement about her abilities not necessarily being any more impressive than Luke's, um, I think they are. I think the movies show that they are because you've got to remember Last Jedi happens directly after Force Awakens. So, you know, those two movies take space in, like, less than a week's time. Mm -hmm. 
So what we see Ray do in those two movies is impressive. Yeah. It's very impressive. What we see Luke do is fire one lucky shot. <laughs> well, but he uses a in, force in the first to movie, do it. Right? No, no, so that's what I'm saying yeah. is, you know, her abilities are more impressive than Luke's. I'm not making that a negative thing. Right. But they are. And, we, you know, we will sure. come on to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the second part is is absolutely right. Um, so while her abilities were more impressive than Luke's, what her kind of journey reminds me of most is Neo in the first Matrix. Right, right. Where he goes from the beginning of that movie to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So, and no one's ever complained about that. No. They've complained about actually, the other two Matrix films, and rightfully so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's a more similar journey, I feel. Yeah, and, and actually, and, and the... Okay, and I do want to get into... I, I did have a comparison with, with Neo, too, actually, kind of, oh, like, planned great out. great minds. Um, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, yeah, let's just get right into everything then. But um, the one last thing I just wanted to say, right, is just that... Um, you know, we're not going to, I don't want to dwell on, like I said, I don't want to dwell on any of this sort of like negative stuff. So with our episode today, Trev, what I want to is to invite our listeners to, you know, celebrate and enjoy this deep dive into, into Ray. And if anyone here has ever had any doubts to just have an open mind to what, you know, to the origin of the term Mary Sue, to like how it is used in pop culture in general, and to all this new knowledge that, you know, whatever Trev is going to has in store for us today, because, you know, at the end of the day, any and all Star Wars is good Star Wars. Like, yes. It's fun. So including the holiday special, we can have fun. <laughs> so I just want to say, you know, like, let's, you know, it's, it's about being positive. It's about having fun. And uh, there's no, you know, let's just do that with this character. So I've sat down mm-hmm. the other day in preparation for this episode and read pretty much every book comic. YouTube short, um, animated short that Ray appears in going up mm-hmm. to or part of her life before The Force Awakens. Okay. I didn't read much of her character arc between Force Awakens and um, Rise of Skywalker because there is so little of it. Yeah. Um, and we'll cover the kind of the lack of characterization there. Now, one of the criticisms we had is that along this Mary Sue line, you know, she's written as being too powerful, picks up the force too quickly. And often you see um, as a criticism that she's just not written very well. She's not very well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair, the same could be said for all of the characters in Force Awakens, just as they could be said for all of the characters in A New Hope. You know, it, yeah. because Star Wars is based on archetypes. Right. But I think what is there, what does exist in The Force Awakens, works. And it works really, really well. Um, one thing that really jumped out at me in all these stories I've looked at, and I'm going to cover a lot of them, is that the same... This character was written the same way with the same traits that you didn't necessarily see in the movie, but could be inferred from the actions that we see. 
and all these various authors, and I guarantee these people were not communicating, they've all taken that and written very similar stories about Ray, which yeah. I think is a real strength of the characterization that we see. Yeah, if they're all able to take what they, you know, from that movie and, and create all these other stories without talking to each other and they're all kind of like the same, it means that they they got it, right? That they understood what where the character was coming from. So let's talk about... Um, we did, I'm sure we did this in the Kylo Ren episode. Let's talk about why you've gravitated towards Rey as a topic then. Not just to, you know, show your cousins <laughs> that they're wrong. <laughs> what appeals to you about this character? Well, it's similarly to to Kylo. I mean, I've I've always I'm interested I'm interested in in the well, I mean, in the balance of the Force, right? It's not so much about the Jedi or the Sith, but really the combination of the light and the dark. Um, and this is the same way that for Kylo, I was I liked him from the get go because he was being pulled into the light, and you see him struggle with it. I like that with Rey, she is pulled into the dark, but she's able to use that in a good way, right? So I feel like in in the original trilogy, it was a much more binary, <laughs> binary sunset, um, binary uh, um, idea of the Force, where you have to completely say no to the to the dark side or completely say no to the to the light side of the Force. So you know you have and. You know, obviously we see that Vader at the end sort of struggles with that and he ends up be- being pulled back into the light side. Um, but to me, Ray just seems to understand that you can't just choose one or the other and that maybe by having the combination of both, you can you can become something stronger. Oh, or you whoa, can become... whoa. No, I, I'm not sure that that's what happens. I mean, I'm also just spitballing <laughs> right now because so ter- I wasn't prepared for this question. But it's just like, I, I don't know, it's just like she kind of like accepts or acknowledges that she does have darkness in her, but she that doesn't make her sort of, um, I don't know, shy away from it necessarily. She, I think she she accepts her path and she chooses the, the right thing to do. That, that's a better saying. answer. <laughs> yes, but you know, it's just like she she doesn't shy away from, from that necessarily. She's like, she's like, okay, yeah, I have... I have my past, and I may be a Palpatine or whatever, but that doesn't have to define who I am. Yeah, absolutely. And there is that great dynamic about both um, Rey and Kylo Ren or Ben Solo. Not only do they feel the pull to the opposite, so Rey feels the pull to the dark, Kylo feels the pull back to the light. They acknowledge that they feel that. Yeah. So they... They acknowledge it. They can then deal with it. They can accept it without acting on it. Right. Although, you know, it is acted on in various ways. Um, yeah. But it's not shied away from. Right. And I, and I think that it's that's just, a, to me, it's, it is a little bit of a different take than what we've seen other Jedi do or Sith do in the past. And I think that the look that we get is somewhat more aware of, you know, both sides, of course, because he is also being pulled into the dark side um, in the original trilogy. But then after what happens with Ben Solo, when he was training him, he shuts himself completely off from the force, right? So there is just like, you know, he does, he hides away from it because he's scared. So there, there, I think a lot of people 
seem to be, you know, throughout the time, they're kind of like also afraid, um, afraid of what the force can do to you or, you know, or if you, or if you fall into the wrong side of the force. And I think that these two characters just sort of like see it. And at the end of the, the third movie, they just both kind of like accept it or something. And I mean, and you, you see that with Ray and Maskinata's um, castle, don't you? You know, she's literally just finding out that she can use the force and then she just freaks. And she's like, oh, yeah. I don't want anything to do with this. I'm, right. You know, right. and True. that's probably completely understandable. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, and why don't we, before we go into like all the stories that maybe you've, you have in there, you want to do a little bit of uh, behind the scenes and on how the character originated. And maybe this maybe gives a little bit of credence to, um, you know, how you were saying all these stories that were written all kind of characterize her in the same, in a similar way without being necessarily these people talking to each other. Yeah, I mean, I I know that this is, you know, your sort of area of the, the behind the scenes stuff and everything, but I do know that the idea of a, a young female protagonist is not new. Right. No, it's not. And uh, actually the original treatment for the tri- the sequel trilogy by George Lucas had a, uh, that was the main character. It was uh, he had a fourteen-year-old, force-sensitive girl named Taryn, and she was, and yeah, she was uh, going to be the yeah the protagonist. And a lot of people just really liked the idea of now see you know we we obviously saw Anakin and and Luke, but now to see a girl, uh, jet like being trained as a Jedi like that was intriguing from the get-go. So this is. This is not new, and for all those people that say that you know whatever George Lucas trilogy trilogy would have been better, <laughs> um, this was not so far away from his original plan. And um, so, and she also had a couple of different names too. Like it's so it was Taryn, and she also had was called Thea at one point, Winky, Sally, Echo, <laughs> Winky, and yeah, Winky. Dear God, I don't. I don't know. I hope I hope the person who suggested that was sacked very quickly. <laughs> sure, right. Like go and work for but, Star Trek. <laughs> but you know, then the the last name that she had before Ray that actually stuck pretty much all the way up until they were filming in Abu Dhabi was uh, Kira. Yes, yes, cool. I have read that, um, mm-hmm. which does just show that Star Wars never throws away a good idea. No, they keep them around. I mean, it's it's a very it's a good Star Wars. It was written differently. It was K I R A um, instead of Q I. Yeah. Uh, Q I R A. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. So she was uh, up with J J Abrams and the writers and everything. Like she was known as Kira for the longest time. Um, so when they were putting together Star Wars: uh, The Force Awakens, the first iteration of this store of this character was for it to be a loner hothead gearhead and badass <laughs> so i mean that's not I mean, a that's... million miles away from what we got <laughs> no no that was like yeah i mean the first time you look at her she's she is a badass she's swinging around in a atat so <laughs> it's just like or an ad whatever you want to go um and she just looks cool. I mean, and her speeder, I think, is one of the coolest sort of like speeder vehicles too. I, for, I personally, I really like that sort of like rectangle, <laughs> floating rectangle. Yeah, I love, the, I love the. Um, it looks clunky. It looks yeah old. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I mean, she 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 was. Uh, I thought she she looked really cool right from the get go. Um, 
but yeah, that was a, the idea was that she she was this loner, um, and when J.J. Abrams came on board, uh, he also gravitated quickly gravitated to the idea of a female lead, and the idea of a character that lived thirty years after Return of the Jedi, and that perhaps didn't even know who Luke Skywalker was, or you know thought that the whole thing of the Force and everything was just really the you know a thing of myth or legend. Um, I mean, so so one of the criticisms when uh, the film came out was that, you know, how, how would people have forgotten who Luke was? It's only been this many years. You've got to remember, it was only 20 years after the Clone Wars that A New Hope yeah. takes place, and everyone had forgot who the Jedi were. So <laughs> this is ta- true. time moves differently in Star Wars, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's also, it's a large universe, you know? When you're talking about a singular character in the middle of like a you know like small nothing like planet like why but would it also you make sense know... with her character as a whole you know if you're abandoned on a sand planet like Jakku at what 10 years old is that all she's meant to yeah. be um something like that she's not exactly on the hub she's not no. got her finger on the pulse so no she's only ever learned what she's heard in uh, an email outpost you know, while she's yeah. selling stuff. She's not particularly yeah. well educated. Um, so why wouldn't she think it was a myth? Right. And I mean, and, and part of the idea of having her in some sort of like outpost kind of like um, setting too was to give her a reason to want to see the world beyond because she would hear those, you know, whatever little bits of stories here or there that she would hear when she goes into like um, and, you know, sees all these ships flying in and out. All of that was to kind of like give this character a reason to want to go out or to wonder what's beyond. But that's which that's the opposite of what we actually see, though. Well, because she wants to stay supposedly because of her yeah, she was, her parents are going to come yeah, back. Exactly. Well, she says that, but at the same, but you know, you can when I don't think it's that f- far fetched to think that. You know, she she has heard things that are you know of, of, of um, that are happening outside of her world. She knows that there's something else, and you know she knows how to like repair things and stuff too because of her like you know she's always like dealing with you know dealing with like junk and and in this like junkyard and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I wonder if it's more of a she's just saying that she needs to stay, but she can still wonder what it is like to be somewhere else. Perhaps yes. Well, uh, I'm I'm going to come back to that. That's definitely something that I'm going to touch upon in one of the other um, books I'm going to talk about later. Yeah, because I actually I don't I don't know much about the stories before Force Awakens. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what like what what you have um, or what you've researched. Because yeah, I mean this is basically like this is just a. How this, how her character like came to be, um, you know, and how it was like discussed behind the scenes. She, I mean, a few other sort of like quick notes on it is that uh, just because I think it's kind of fun. Um, Kira, when she was still Kira, she had two male companions. One was Sam, and that's who later becomes Finn. And the other one was just known as John Doe, but John Doe was going to be her partner. That's such lazy storyboarding. Uh, We've got a character. Yeah. We're just going to call him John Doe for now. Yeah, exactly. They they didn't know who this character was. They're like, yeah, this is her partner. And then 
this character became a Jedi, perhaps, and then finally they're like, no, maybe he's more of a bounty hunter. And then that kept evolving until they decided that this was going to be a member of the Republic military, and it becomes Poe Dameron. So okay. it's just, like, interesting how, like, you know, it's like, yeah, she needs these two other people, and then they kind of just keep evolving into the characters that we see um, at the movie. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's pretty much it. Um, that from like the conversations behind the scenes as they were like developing her, just uh, yeah. The the fun thing is that it wasn't until uh, Daisy Ridley was about to f- like she flew to to the desert to start filming, and that's when JJ tells her, "Hey, by the way, we've changed the character, <laughs> this name, from Kira to Ray. So yeah. <laughs> that's your new character." <laughs> I, I wonder what you know how she took it if she preferred the Kira name, um, but I just thought that was uh, that was kind of a fun <laughs> little tidbit. Okay, so what I want to do then is discuss a handful of the stories that um, came or are set before Force Awakens and a few other Easter eggs mm-hmm. and bits of bobs I've seen. So one of the first things I do whenever I start doing my research for these character-focused ones is open up yeah. the Utini timeline. Simple. Because I like that to start sense. at the beginning of a character's journey. Now, the thing with a lot of the comics that come out now, and even a lot of the books, um, they're so keen not to box themselves into a corner and limit future storytelling that they're not yeah. specific on timeline placement. So unless there's something you can tie into another event, a lot of it's guesswork, okay? So the first... That must make your job really fun. Yeah, it, it is. Um, so what I have put as Ray's first appearance on the timeline is Star Wars Adventures, the 2017 run. It's a two-part story in issues one and two, so the premier issue of that series, written by 2021 Utini's author of the year, Kevin Scott... Mm-hmm. And I chose this as the first Ray story on the timeline because it could be interchangeable with others. But she literally mm-hmm. introduces herself. So she's narrating oh. the story and sort of on the fourth or fifth panel, she's like, I think it starts off, you know, oh, it's just another day on Jakku, you know, digging for scrap, doing this, looking out for people trying to rob me, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, oh, I'm Ray, by the way. So I thought, <laughs> you know what? That's, that's the perfect start. If you were going to read in pure chronological order, that's a great entrance mm-hmm. for a character. Yeah. Um, so that's why that's at the point that is on the timeline. So it's 33 years um, ABY. So it's literally just a year before Force Awakens. And so the Star Wars Adventures, they're kind of all-age comics. So they are written for the younger reader. Yeah. And it's it's just a story about um, Uncar Plutt gets himself in various trouble and she rescues him even though you know he he's not very nice to her and he stitches her up on a regular basis um but she's she's just nice she's just kind but it it highlights that relationship it highlights it shows what she does for a living shows her out scavenging parts you know that scavenger angle is very very much played into because that's what she is yeah but the selflessness of the character, 
that's the trait that I was talking about at the top of the show that all of his authors have really latched onto and run with. Yeah. And then the second story I want to talk about, because, again, this directly ties into certain criticisms that people have had of this character. So there was a a young adult book that came out called Before the Awakening, which is a collection of three Mm -hmm. short stories, one for Ray, one for Finn, one for Poe. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Now, this story... So one of the things that people criticizes her piloting ability because she's from a desert planet and there's no evidence of her flying ships um but this tells how she found a crashed y-wing and builds her own flight simulator so she takes the display and everything from the y-wing finds a load of data chips with flight simulation programs on and builds that in in her attack so when you're not scavenging there's probably not much to do on a desert planet. Oh. And she refused to let herself get beat by these things. So she spent hours and hours and hours learning how to fly all these different ships. Yeah. So when you get in one, you're pretty good to go. So so hold on. So that you're saying that because she is, or people are saying that because she is from a desert planet and we never see her fly a ship beforehand, that how can she fly a ship? Yeah, and that's sort of the criticism. Essentially, you know, how can you jump in the Millennium so if she Falcon had said that she, if she had complained about not getting her rations from Unkar Plot because she had to go to Tashi Station, um, and or something, then uh, would we believe that she uh, that she's a better pilot? I mean, there's, if if you take her character as being someone who does live hand to mouth out scavenging for parts to sell for meager rations you wouldn't expect that person to have much of a piloting history sure but i'm just saying you know luke also is similar in that that i mean but he's able to fly in a you know in a squadron at the end of the movie yeah but luke he's fine luke was always flying his t-16 so he's we don't see that uh you do in the in the novel, in the deleted scenes, it's talked uh, about a lot. Um, in the radio drama, there's the famous well, race between yeah. him and Biggs. So that is part. Right. That's part of his character. You know, he says it's not much different to flying his T16 back home in the movie. Yeah, sure. So that's what I'm saying. So if he, if she had said, "Oh yeah, this is like when I flew this one, or when I did my my <laughs> my uh, training videos in my ADAT, then that would have been that would have been it. That would have been fine. It it would have been something. Um, okay, but then. Yeah. One of the other things that happens in the story is that a, a sandstorm uncovers a freighter that she spends nearly a year making spaceworthy with the help of two friends, or as friends is probably the wrong word, acquaintances, scavenger colleagues, mm-hmm. because she wants to sell it to Ungar Plutt, dreaming yeah. that, you know, I'll have all the food I can ever eat. Um, yeah. But her acquaintances double cross her at the last minute because they want the ship to escape Jakku. But, yeah. but Ray had never even considered leaving Jakku. It was always about mm. selling it to Unkar Plutt, because she has to wait for her parents. Interesting. So like like I said about that um, that point earlier, leaving the planet, yeah. it's not even an option for her. It just doesn't even cross her mind. Interesting. I I feel like it'd be I mean I it'd be fun to see 
like a young Ray sort of like series and like see her like stuff like that, like her hanging out with uh, with, this, with her college scavenger colleagues <laughs> and whatnot. Like I'm not kind of want to, I want to see that as a, I don't know, as either a series of shorts or something. It'd be kind of fun to, to see that. I mean, there's, there's other examples. So there's, um, there's the forces of destinies, YouTube animated short, um, that Ray is in yeah. where she's, uh, Uncar Plutz basically uh, puts a reward. There's a ship that's crashed in the desert, or it's just been uncovered by a storm. He gives uh, whatever sort of reward to the first one to get out. Ray's like, I'll do it. And he just laughs at her. And it turns out there's, um, oh, what are they called? The Happabore? You know, the big pig thing was drinking from a. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink yeah. from a. The one where Finn drinks one, from yeah. the same trough or whatever. Yeah. So there's, there's one of these that's just sat there blocking the <laughs> the ship and no one can move it and he's not going and it turns out it's because he's got something stuck up his nose and he's not very well it's that it's like that fable about pulling the thorn out of the lion's paw mm, so it, mm-hmm. it's like that and in the end she, this happable helps her drag this ship back to uncar wow. plus um you've got destroyer down which is a star wars adventures one shot that takes place half in um during the battle of jakku half with ray you've got a couple of other adventure stories you've got the force of destinies um a comic with ray and they all tell very very similar stories she's a scavenger this is what she does there's one where she gets attacked by tito's but they're in danger and she always puts herself at risk to help those in need of it that's the okay. common thread throughout all of it but she will she will put herself in danger for strangers or whatever because that's her nature she is inherently good inherently selflessness selfless she's willing to befriend and protect others and she's not a loner that's the one thing that comes out you think someone could living that sort of isolated experience they could be quite um quite closed down you know they'd have yeah uh, they're not willing to let anyone in. They're not willing to, to um, befriend people. Yeah. But that's absolutely not Ray. She's not a loner, but she's also not looking for family or friends. She's just she's happy as she is because she knows she's got a purpose, which is just just get through until her parents come back for her. Yeah, I mean, although I mean, maybe and you're saying she's not a loner, but maybe I mean. She is, she sort I mean, she kind of is, right? She is alone, but she's, but it's she, not yeah, because she's alone. she doesn't, she, she's alone. And, and, but maybe that's also why she's so willing to help someone else out because she doesn't have anyone really doing anything for her. So when she, she sees someone else struggling, then she does want to, you know, she, she because she is a good person she is willing to like step up and be there for that other person just because she's had to, you know, she's had to raise herself. I know Orncar Plot is supposed to have washed over her, I guess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but he also, um, you know, betrays and double crosses her quite often. Right, um, right. Same as, you know, like the story I just said about the Tito's, they literally just double crossed her and she still goes yeah. back for them. Um, when yeah. a Star Destroyer is collapsing around their ears, a la Indiana Jones. Um, yeah. Because she just, she just is that kind of person. It's um, 
it's it's what we see her do with Ben Solo. Yeah. You know, after she stabs him <laughs> and kills him and <laughs> Skywalker. Yeah. And because at that moment, you know, she was giving in to her anger a little bit. So once she kind of yes. came back to herself and realized what she's done, she is doing exactly the same thing. She is risking herself yeah. to save what is essentially a rival because she doesn't know if she's going to survive that healing process or or anything like right. that. But at that moment, it, it doesn't matter. She's just doing the right thing. Right. Or if she's, or if he's gonna kill her right after, right? Like not not the healing process itself. Well, yeah. but <laughs> um, they, were, they were just fighting. <laughs> so all these different authors that have written all these different small stories, none of these right. would have coordinated with each other. You know, the, the Star Wars adventures yeah. writers generally, I doubt, are emailing each other, going, "Hey, how did you write Ray?" So they've all written yeah. this character just based on what they saw in the movie and maybe a couple of notes from a story group, and they've all yeah. independently written very very similar interpretations of it right now a lot of the time i did actually end up writing the same story (laughs) ray gets in trouble (laughs) someone someone betrays her she saves them um (laughs) but if you're if you're trying to tell a story about that side of her character then that's the perfect story to tell so the fact that so many authors chose that story yeah. Just shows how brightly that element of her character shone on the screen. Right. I mean that doesn't none of that necessarily like speaks to her abilities and powers as a as a force user, just more about her empathy yeah. and ability to care about others, which is also, you know, definitely very present throughout the entire trilogy. Um but is there anything in, in one of these sort of like let's call them like prequel stories that that hints at her like uh, force ability, or is that just something that no, we start to see at all. only once she goes to Maskinata's castle? Yeah, n- nothing at all. And again, one of the criticisms you you see for the first movie is how quickly she picks up the force. Like, how should right. she be able to fight Kylo Ren with that lightsaber? You right. know, having only just discovered she's even force sensitive. So, sure. Firstly, and it... Finn fights him with a lightsaber. So, you know, right. you don't need to be Force-sensitive, although, obviously, yes, later on he was. Um, you don't need to be Force-sensitive to pick up a lightsaber. Granted, he got his ass kicked. But <laughs> in the Force Awakens novelization, yeah. it states quite implicitly that during the um, interrogation scene with Kylo Ren and Rey, where he's trying to reach into her mind, that's the yeah. moment when it was all unlocked for her. Yeah. And she, her reflex was to kind of reach back. So she learned more in that moment than, say, for example, Luke ever learned off Obi-Wan in the first movie. Right. right. So why yeah, wouldn't she? Yeah, so when she... they, they kind of had that, like, mind meld, she's absorbed some of their, some of his training or some of, you know, hey, again, like Neo, who learned Kung Fu by just being, yes. <laughs> like, being plugged into the, the program. But ex- exactly. Um, so she learned... How to be a pilot from yeah. computer programs. She she learned how to fight with a lightsaber. Well, to be fair, she wasn't that. She learned how to how to really access the force right. through that. Um, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. Um, I don't know when when you're a baby, maybe, and that's obviously the best time to train babies people to swim is when they're babies, right? By putting them in the water. Yes. So at that point, I've heard this. That's probably how 
she felt. Because if you've got no concept of the Force, you kind right. of need someone to show you what it feels like. <laughs> what better than someone actually in your head? Yeah. Using it. <laughs> yeah, true. So, yeah, no, and, and I think that um, the... The whole, I mean, there, there's two other arguments to that. Well, yeah, there, there's that. And then the other thing, and this is why I was, now that we're kind of Matrix talking again, the the, the thing that I wanted to bring up earlier when you compare Ray to Neo, um, and I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Okay. But, you know, Neo in, in the movie, I, I don't, I don't think it's on the first one, but there's a whole idea that him being the chosen one right that there were other chosen ones before him so he he is not necessarily like this prophetized sort of like messiah type of figure there's been other ones in the past before him and the idea in force awakens or, or how i'm paralleling that to this is that you know ray does have a lot of powers right sure and she's able to pick up the force and using that fairly easily yeah, she's a quick um, because she's yeah but there's also the fact that you know the way that i have come to understand or feel about the force is you know the force is sentient and the force sort of um knows when to like make things happen and an argument to that right is supposedly like anakin skywalker like he he comes at a moment where I feel like you know the force was not very balanced, and then you have like you know uh, Sidious and kind of gaining all this dark side and you know whatever other issues and things are happening back then, the force sort of creates this creature, <laughs> Anakin, and gives him this like you know raw and natural ability to connect to the force. Okay, and. Now that we're, you know, after Return of the Jedi, we have Kylo sort of like, you know, being, you know, gathering all this darkness, I guess. We now know also that Palpatine is somewhere in, behind the scenes. We have Snoke. Luke has shut himself off from the Force, so he's not really connected to it at all. So where, how does the Force itself now need to balance all the darkness that is brewing and maybe the force could awaken in her as a, you know, as a possibility for a light side or something to be able to balance everything else that is brewing with Kylo and with like, well, Snoke or Palpatine in, in, behind the scenes. So the force naturally wants to kind of like present itself in Ray or kind of like pushes her to become more powerful in order for th that balance to be achieved. So we know that Ray's father is a Palpatine clone. Mm -hmm. We yes. know that he wasn't... Who was not able to use yeah, the Force. he wasn't Force-sensitive. We know that they hid Ray from Palpatine. What we don't know is why. Did they identify that she was Force-sensitive as a young age? It's or That's a were good they idea. just taking their bets? Now, as a character, so in-universe, if you don't necessarily believe that the Jedi were real, 
one mm-hmm. of the last things you're ever going to try and do is move a rock with your mind because that's just insane, right? <laughs> if you're just a scavenger, you're not going to sit there and go, hmm, I wonder. Like, have you ever tried to do it? No, because it's insane. Um, yes. So she'd have... I mean, no, I have. She, she'd have no reason to to do this. She might be um, intuitive and act on instinct and right. be lucky at times, but she'd probably right. have no reason to believe she could possibly be for sensitive right or it i mean she probably some late. of yeah probably her her natural agility and everything as she is scavenging and jumping through the insides of an ad are you know maybe are being enhanced by her innate force abilities yeah. she just doesn't know that she has them and she, so she's not accessing them yeah exactly so she just sort of like becomes a little more agile than your average scavenger yeah so she might have the move. She's got the agility. She probably can't do a force run or a force jump. But, you know, yeah. we see her do that big, that one big leap when she's in that yeah. first Star Destroyer in Force Awakens. Um, yeah. But also she's probably held back by what she perceives the limits of her own body to be. Right. Because she doesn't think to push herself. But it would be very interesting right. to to have a story written about why her parents made that decision to hide her. Like, yeah. you've got to assume that Palpatine knew she'd been born because yeah. how how did his son get away from Palpatine? Like, I, I want to know that story as well. Did, quite, going back to Anakin, because I want to, I'm kind of like now intrigued about this comparison or this parallel, but... When Anakin was a kid, did he? I mean, besides me saying that he would, that she didn't have a male counterpart to. So apart from the immaculate conception, exactly. Um, had he exhibited any sort of like force abilities that they mention in there? Yes. Yeah, so there's <clears throat> being lucky is one of them. Like always managing to find the part that they needed um uh-huh be i'm sure there's in some of the pre phantom menace stuff you know it, it's that he could he could see it in his mind or he has these dreams or it's yeah. it's written very obviously foreshadowing what is to come a lot more sure. so than with ray because you know even a lot of the, all the stories i've spoke about so far were all written before the last jedi so, you know, right. they've not even been written with the character's full arc to go back to. Um, yeah, and I, and obviously as they're filming these movies, one all these stories are, hap- you know, anything, any stories that were being written had to be so peripheral just in, you know, just in case they wanted to do something different in the movies, right? So it'll take a couple of years, I think, before they, um, I mean, it's been a few years, but... <laughs> Whereas when Phantom think- Menace came out, anybody writing about young Anakin knows he's going to become Darth Vader. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think that there were... A lot of these stories um, haven't come out yet, and I think that's why we don't have so much um, about what was happening. Um, but hopefully we'll get to that with some of these Disney Plus shows because they are exploring that whole period of time between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So there's always a possibility that we might get some Easter eggs or or connections and references to to Ray and the rest of the 
characters from the sequel trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. And that you always see these um, stories on Facebook from like YouTube user Doomcock has said that they're rewriting the sequel trilogy with a new oh, Finn series, and you're just like, oh Jesus no. Christ, no, it's not going to happen. No. Um, <laughs> But I'll, I'll tell you some something interesting that I did as well. Is I, I looked through the Rise of Skywalker novelization, and I found mm-hmm. a couple of really interesting quotes, um, or even just lines. There's a great line in that novel when they're in Babu Frick's workshop. Yeah, and it says that Ray is literally looking around, calculating the portion value of the workshop, <laughs> like oh. how much would this be important if I sold it to one couple. That's so good. Ah. I like I like that detail, yeah. Just it's no, I, humility and because again, it's only a year after the first two movies, right? And right, you know, no, that's that's how she that's that's how she sees the world, right? You Still. know, she might she might have traveled, <laughs> she might have been um, doing all this training with uh, Leia and stuff like that, but right. she's still she's still a desert scavenger at heart. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean that that novelization is really good because like they also spend a lot of time. Um, at the beginning on how it's... I think the novelization starts with her training, right? Instead of uh, how in the movie it starts with Kylo Ren, yes. like whatever, finding the Wayfinder. Was it the Wayfinder? Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the novelization starts with her and her training, and it, it goes a lot more into what that is like, and, and, and you can you get to see what she's thinking through it, too. Yeah, because there's also with there's Leia, a, there's an anger to her in, my, in those opening yeah. scenes in the novel. Yeah, and so I thought I think the novel, the novel. I mean, I, I haven't read. I think I, I also read the novelization of Force Awakens. I haven't read the novelization of uh, of the Last Jedi. Now that is really, but good. I, is yeah. it? It's the um, best of the three. But at least, really, because I at least these these other two are. I really enjoy just being able to kind of get into into her like head and get to like see what it is that she's thinking because they do a really good job in in you know in making us understand what her journey is like and her frustrations and and uh because it's yeah it's a lot to feel like the whole world is the whole universe is resting on your shoulders after like luke dies well, there's, you know? a, there's a there's a great scene where after she's back on acto where uh force ghost luke turns up and says to her you know because you're a Palpatine. And she's yeah. like, well, you know, how, how do you know? And he says, well, yeah. Leia knew too. And it says, Ray had guessed as much, but it was still startling to hear him say it. She never told me, she whispered. Luke moved to sit yeah. beside her. Ray says, she still trained me. And Luke says, because yeah. she saw your spirit and your heart. But the right. last line of this is, um, Ray had always assumed that Leia agreed to train her because she saw her as a weapon. Mm. Which is exactly what did happen to Luke in A New Hope. That's precisely why Obi Wan and Yoda trained him. They trained him yeah. as a weapon, and that's that's a point that's actually been referred to in Legends and Canon. Is that you know he goes on to establish his version of a Jedi Order, but his training right. was ad- aggressive. Uh, yeah, you know he was he was trained to fight. And overthrow yeah. and defeat, um, right? And Ray assumed that that's why Leia was training her to overthrow the First Order, but she wasn't. She was training right. her to embrace her goodness, which is goes back to 
her original characterization from those short stories that you were talking about that that is that her innate goodness is what makes her like choose to do the things she does yeah and i I copied down a few parts and that chapter in particular goes on to say that ray asked herself still on active she said what would leia do and she said Mm -hmm. oh the answer was easy Leia would leave Actu and get back in the fight. In fact, she wouldn't even have come here in the first place. Even though, like Rey, Leia was descended from unspeakable evil. Right. Right. So Rey has all these doubts and everything, but the one woman who trained her is, you know, Vader's daughter. Yeah, right. So those, those parallels are in place, but Rey just kind of never saw it because of that anger that you see at the beginning of that book. Yeah. And it takes that conversation with um, Force Ghost Luke to her to reevaluate. And I wish the yeah. movie had done a better job of showing that. <laughs> it's yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree because I think that a lot of her, I think a lot of her character or her story has either been um, overshadowed by comments and things like yeah, her being ex- too quick to learn the Force. Or then when she becomes, or when one day reveal that she's a Palpatine, everyone's like, oh, and then like people didn't like that. So then the whole conversation revolves around that. But, you know, it also just takes a lot for, like she chooses to not care about the fact that she does have the Palpatine lineage. Yeah. That she like, so the whole argument of that was started in The Last Jedi about, you know, anyone can be a force user like Broom Boy. Like, yeah, so so the argument becomes that even though she comes from from the most evil person <laughs> ever, that she can still choose her own destiny. She can still choose her own future, and she can still u- choose to use the Force however she wants, in spite of being born out of evil incarnate. Yeah, uh, and it's it's interesting that she does that. And this is where, as a character, she is that perfect mix of Luke and Leia, despite not being any sort of blood relative, it's because her first instinct is to hide. So she goes to Actu, she crashes her ship, she's like, no, I'm done. I'm I'm not playing any part in this because she's worried about turning to the dark side herself, she's worried what will happen and then she reflects on what Leia would do. So she has that balance that realistically, based on the events of the sequel trilogy, neither one of the twins had you know, Luke right, and Leia didn't right. then have that balance that she eventually gains, that emotional balance, that spiritual balance within herself. Right. And that's why she and had it's a... to go and face Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> so is it kind of like a nice nod then at the end when she has her yellow saber that it does switch from like from green to blue to yellow because those are the colors of Luke and Leia's Sabers first, well, in, and then it goes to interestingly yellow? in the junior novelization, it's uh-huh. called white gold and not yellow, which I think is okay. a much better description. I like I, the white I gold. like that. Yeah, um, I've seen it called yellow like everywhere else, but yeah, white gold works. That's classier. White gold is is it is she's a classy lady. <laughs> but then one final but... quote. But I want to talk about because this yeah. goes back to what you were saying about these are good. The f- I, I like that you've picked out these quotes. These are really sort of telling of her character too. But this one about, like you said, about the force being sentient. Although 
I disagree with your statement. I know where you're coming from, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, <laughs> so Luke's... My statement at large or that this, or that the force is, the force is sentient. sentient? I disagree with that statement. Okay. I know where you're coming from, though. Yes. So, we'll, 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 I think we have a force Yeah, we'll have something at some point out. like lined up. Um, so Luke <laughs> says to Ray, do you think it's an accident that we found each other? Two orphans from the desert. The force brought you to me and Leia for a reason. Yeah. So the force may not be sentient, but yes, the force. Happens. I mean, if the force brought them together, the force, like maybe not consciously, thought that that was the best thing to happen. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think your statement there is supporting my, my assessment <laughs> of the force. Um. So let's so let's go back to the. Let's let's make our closing statements then about sure. Ray as yeah. a as a Mary suit. One of the arguments that always came out, especially with the the whole interrogation scene and her learning how to use the force or learning about the force from that moment was, well, you shouldn't have to read the books to appreciate the movie. Yeah. Right. Okay, maybe you maybe you shouldn't. Um it may not have come across as clearly on the screen as it could have. But hell, read the books. They're good. Just read the books anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is true. Um, but also, again, it's like she... I don't think that you need that to explain anything. I mean, she she doesn't do... She doesn't use the Force in some sort of like extraordinary way necessarily on that in The Force Awakens. No, and she is... She so. is fighting someone who isn't necessarily in control anyway. He's, no. he's he's a bit unhinged at that moment, you know. He's and he is he's also injured. He, yeah, he's killed his dad. He's he's it. torn by the whole light dark struggle. Chewie shot him. Uncle Chewie That's shot with the him. Bowcaster. <laughs> I mean, whatever Chewie shoots anyone with his bowcaster, like all the other stormtroopers, they yeah. die and go fly. Kylo survives <laughs> yeah. it. Um, and then he's fighting, so he's severely injured, and he's like hitting himself, trying to yeah. like get so, that anger. So he's so probably he... not, you know, a particularly formidable <laughs> combatant at that point. He's not going, yeah, no, just parrying no. all her moves, you know. So it, it's not like no. she's fighting Sidious in his prime, right? So and she does have some combat training because of her staff, exactly. Like she knows how to she knows how to fight. She is agile. She has some force sensitivity that has just Awakened. been awoken. <laughs> uh, exactly. Therefore, and again, she's not doing she her fighting there at the end is not really force like she's not using the force that much. She, I mean, she kind of like connects with it at, towards the end, right? When she's sort of like, okay, let me center myself. And she closes her eyes, and then that's where she's like, oh right, I can. There's this thing that I just learned about that I have some sort of she, like she's probably heard connection to the whispers of the force as a sentient being at that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, oh yeah, when she also, she also she does like pull the the saber, right? She like grab force pulls whatever. But again, she's probably seen um, you know cheesy holodramas of jedi jumping around and you know because they exist yeah i'm sure that, that do they have like internet and cable in uh oh absolutely so in that galaxy? so one of the one of my favorite retcons is from the original clone wars micro series that jendy uh tarkatovsky one 
I'm sure yes. I've mispronounced that again. So there's an episode with Mace enough. Windu on Dantooine, but it's proper nuts. He's flying all around like a superhero, tackling hundreds of vulture droids. And it was kind of retcon that that was the Holonet version. That was the, <laughs> you know, that, that was the, the um, movie adaptation of actual events. Oh, I, they should do that with that whole series or anything that's sort of like kind of not. I, mean, I guess that's what legends are. Uh, different, different, but you know. But I think you can. It's like in. I wouldn't be mad if like a lot of you know all these sort of like side stories of of uh, of Han and and Luke and all that they could all still sort of exist, but they're just sort of all you know like that's just what people have said you know like because they retell the stories over and over and over again, and these are all just sort of like they're they're comic books and they're. <laughs> like random sort of like short stories and they're like no that didn't really happen and it's like i'm tired when people you know people say that story that was not the case you know like it'd be kind of fun if like a lot of those things were just like that like in universe like random stories that people have been saying yeah so she you know she like the tabloids yeah she so she (laughs) says about jedi being a myth because she's probably seen all these things well that can't be real that's just saturday morning tv exactly <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Trev, um, do we have any any batshit crazy book of the week or or uh... no? I have I haven't got anything particularly crazy about Ray because she's just too wholesome. <laughs> and like I said, there is a similarity between all her stories. No, wait, yes, I do have one, but it's it's okay. not a book, and I have mentioned it before. But Ray had her own couple of episodes of Star Wars Rollout, which is that YouTube animated shorts where everyone's little egg-shaped people. Oh, yes, yes. So she yes, has her own this. one. Oh, and another thing I forgot to mention, one of the other Easter eggs in uh, my notes, there's a book called Ray's Survival Guide, which came out mm-hmm. uh, just after Force Awakens. It's kind of an in-universe journal that also uh-huh. gives a lot of background detail about her attack and Tito's and the people oh. she sees every day. But it mentions the sinking Are... fields that you see in Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, post shit. Oh, we're, we're, yeah. You know, the, the, we're the, that really small the... patch of black sand that I'm sure would be avoid- avoidable. Oh, because... Rise of Skywalker, yeah. the black sand. Because you know, it yes. wasn't a big patch. I'm sure they could have avoided that and seen it from quite a distance. Um, yeah. But I love the fact that that's. Uh, uh, a primary feature of Jakku that was explored as early as that film yeah. in this really weird little uh, young reader's book that then got expanded upon and shown on screen. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, there you go. Two batshit crazy books. Right. Are there diagrams in this yes. book on the survival guide? Yeah. Okay. I like I it's, like it's a good diagram. Because it's, so. it's, it's in universe. It's all drawn by her. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's a really good book. That's I flicked really cool. through it doing my research for this one. Yeah, that's cool. All right. Well, um, I guess that's that's it for today. So for all you listeners, oh wait, out sorry, there, sorry if... to interrupt oh, your spiel. One more sorry thing. to inter- interrupt your spiel. Do yeah. you think you've made a convincing enough argument to win round your cousins? I think so. No, I, I want to hear it. Say it with conviction, because I know we have. <laughs> if they listen to this, no, yeah, and they're I, still. I think oh, she's such a Mary Sue, and they're not paying attention. No, I don't. I yeah, I 
they're probably just going off of whatever other hateful stuff exists online. But I think we've we've made a really good argument in here. Just uh, just talking about, I mean, her humble beginnings, and uh, and again, like I don't, I think that she she always had it in her. It was a matter of being unlocked. And again, when you compare it to some of the other male characters, and even within Star Wars, I feel like yeah, there's nothing. She is cool. She is badass. She, yeah, maybe she she's a quick learner, and there's nothing wrong about that. And that's just what makes her even more of a cool character. Like that's sort of like that would be my main argument. Really, is like, so what? She learned hundred percent. Um, I think the she's... moral of the episode is don't jump on whatever clickbait you see. If you actually spend you time go. and think about the character, you know, find reasons yeah. why this is the case, rather than whatever yeah. some grumpy old men are writing about online. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with any of it it's just it's okay to be awesome like that yeah. hell yeah <laughs> i mean i wish i would and, so. and, and you know the worst thing is it the worst thing about that mary sue attitude that you were discussing at the top of a go is top of a show is it completely disrespects the young girls who look up to ray oh yeah you yeah. know it's you don't see characters like this very often so no embrace it because there's there's a generation that's going to be inspired by this character right right no there's so many to yeah live your you life see a lot of this and going well no that can't be it's exactly just that mindset that attitude jose's cousins you need to sort your lives out <laughs> <laughs> oh my god well we'll see what they say whenever they do listen to this and they come back at me and be like Dude. We'll, we'll have them on we'll have them on <laughs> oh man all right Okay, so um, closing statements now, or after closing statements, closing in outro. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so, listeners, if you, uh, yeah, if you haven't uh, for some reason done that yet, just make sure to join our Discord. It's a very active community there, sharing their thoughts in the latest episode of whatever show on Disney Plus. Uh, reading along the newest book release, selling their books and collectibles, and sharing their artwork and fanfic. Most importantly, that is where you can get the latest news and discuss anything Star Wars archives. If uh, you have not joined yet, just head on over to utinia.com discord and click the join now button on that page. And you can find me there or on Twitter at djoxy. And Trev, where can people find you? So I'm also hanging around in our discord uh, wherever possible, and I'm at, on Twitter at Todd. All right. Well, thank you, Trev, for helping me out with uh, today's topic and teaching my cousins a lesson. Uh, thank you to all of our Patreon members for supporting us and making this show possible. And thank you to our listeners for continuing to hear us talk anything and everything Star Wars. And with that, I can now say radio out. There is no hatred, there is joy, there is no division, there is union, there is no apathy, there is passion, there is no gatekeeping, there is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the Force be with you.